Hey, Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. We are winding down the month of June, the dead period for NCAA recruiting has started again, but it was a crazy month of June. We're going to talk a little about recruiting in this crazy time with Keely Your Follow on Twitter at Keely is my name. Doing a great job for us at uscfootball.com for many years now. We got uh, some other stuff to get to. I was at the Trojan Football Alumni Cup golf tournament. Got to see a bunch of the coaches and Former players and stuff down there. The Elite 11 is starting right here, uh, just down the street. We're in Redondo Beach. It's over in Manhattan Beach, and Keely Yor's got some information from that. PRP's player on practices will be starting soon. Our buddy John Wilner had an interview with Mike Bone, USC's athletic director. So we've got a lot of stuff to get to. Uh, before we do that, we just want to say hello to Keely because she's here in studio with me. How are you doing, Keely? Hello, hello, Ryan. Doing well? You're doing well? Yes, that's my standard answer. <laughs> Yeah, doing well. Doing well. Uh, I'm excited for talking some football. Yeah. It's, it's so weird that they allowed this like month of recruiting to happen and then it just sort of like stopped all of a sudden. So it was just like, go, go, go fast, 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 then stop and go on vacation. Yeah. Zero, just zero recruiting news and then 100 miles per hour <laughs> for the entire <laughs> June month and then dead again. It yeah. made June fly by. Like, I feel like it just went so fast. So there was just so much to, to report on. There was. There was tons. I mean, if you checked out the site, uh, tons of recruiting information going up there through the whole month. Today, we're recording this on Wednesday, June 30th. Tomorrow, Keely, is July 1st. And what it is. is it, what does that mean? Start of Q3. No, it means it does that, too. <laughs> Name, image, and likeness will start. And we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, and Larry Scott will be... Dunzo. The truth is, we all know Champagne Larry likes to roll large, right? <laughs> no more rolling large on at least the Pac-12's dime. Like he is getting paid another year or something. But Larry will be out. George Klyovkov, he'll be in. So he starts uh, tomorrow as well. So it could be the wild, wild west out here and everywhere across college football with all that stuff going on. Yeah, there's a lot happening with July 1st. So we did say it, it's going to drop off, but technically not. It's going to drop off in the recruiting world a little bit, but there's definitely going to be a lot to talk about starting tomorrow. Yeah, so we got a lot of topics to get to. Just wanted to uh, let you know if you want to email us uh, any kind of questions or comments, you can do that podcast at uscfootball.com. you rather call or text us, you can do that too. The number is 424 254 9141. We got a text or two. We got a couple of voicemails to get to. Also on Apple Podcasts. If you got that, you have an Apple device, your iPhone, your iPad. I got an iPad now, Keely. Well done. Apple Podcasts. Go on there. Follow the Peristyle Podcast. That helps us out. But you know what really helps? Five-star ratings, positive reviews, and yeah, just a five-star rating. You can write crap about us if you want. That's more of a podcast of champions thing. We'll plug. Um, <laughs> people love to give. We say, give us five stars, and then you can just trash us in the comments, and that's fine. So like a roast? It's sort of a roast. Okay. We had uh, yeah, we had some weird stuff in there, but it's fun. We, we read them all on the podcast, and um, we do appreciate that. It does help grow the show the more five-star reviews we get. So that's our little ask of all of you. We do this for free, but, you know, 
If you don't mind uh, leaving us five stars, we do appreciate that. I think we got a new one. Yeah, we definitely did. So thank you for that. It's from Bo, uh, who said, uh, my go-to source for USC News and left five stars. He says, this has been my favorite pod for years. Ryan and his team are fun and provide solid intel on USC football. Even when the team was struggling, they kept me connected and interested. Uh, You get stuff here you can't get anywhere else. So thank you, Bo. That's very nice, Bo. Appreciate that. So there's like the entertainment side and the the informative side. The Ryan rants and the Ryan info. you know, you got to be entertaining on these shows. Uh, if it's just information, which is good, like people will get bored, you know. So True. Got to mix it up with a little Need a food analogy every once in a while. Yeah. Which you haven't done, by the way. But I got to do some fine. more. It's fine. It's rusty. It's fine. But speaking of food, oh, Trader Joe's, it's going to be 4th of July. I know. Um, Do you ever travel out of the country for the 4th of July? Uh, yeah, I was in Australia for 4th of Ju- July one year. It's yeah. kind of weird. Kind of anticlimactic. I think early 2000s, I was in London, um, and that was fun. And I think, like, Pete Sampras won, like, the Wimbledon that weekend. And it was just sort of like, yeah, we beat you guys. You know, it was kind of cool. I'm going out. I'm going to be actually be uh, on my way to Greece on the 4th of July. And so you were due for another vacation. I was due for a vacation. Just, you know, it's, been a, it's been a rough pandemic year. But so I'm looking at the Trader Joe's website. Greek style potato salad. Oh so my gosh, it, it's like they knew. It's like they knew. But if you're going to be here and enjoying the Fourth of July, this is a good one. So the the Trader Joe's old fashioned potato salad on its own is really good. I love mm-hmm. potato salad. Are you a fan or? I do. Yeah. Any t- form of potato is very very good. It's good. And then you check out the website. Then they Greek it up a little bit. So you got some olives. Uh, you, they, so the, they've got a recipe on the Persian cucumbers. You slice those up thin. Red bell pepper. Uh, the feta cheese crumbles are awesome. Like oh, I, delicious. I love making salads with those, but yeah. you put that in the, I Perfect. haven't put that in like the potato salad before. Interesting. We'll yeah. Take. And a little parsley to, to green it up a little bit. So nice. check that out. So if you want to have a, a nice, colorful, Greek styled. Uh, Think of Ryan while you eat it. In, yeah. On 4th of July. <laughs> like a side dish for <laughs> your 4th Ryan. of July. Bar. You know, you're going to get a bunch of burgers or dogs or steaks or whatever. This is a nice thing to just put on the side of it. And like, wow, yeah. that looks fancy. It's like, yeah. yeah, you know. Yeah, that effort. But uh, Trader Joe's, we appreciate them. Mm-hmm. They, they've been Apparently great Apparently, there's like a TikTok trend about uh, Trader Joe's wonton dumplings. Oh. They're big. And I know, I think you are a fan of that type of uh, uh, selection. Dumplings are amazeballs, yes. Yes, I I, yeah. So that's why I thought I should bring it up because apparently the youths are uh, amazed by it on TikTok. Do you do the TikTok thing? No, not really. But I yeah. like see it through like YouTube and Instagram, so I don't know. I see it through there too. And I'm not, like, I guess I'm kind of old. There was a, we're going to talk about name image and like this. There was a TCU walk-on receiver who I saw a clip on Twitter or something doing. It was basically you lip sync to a song, like, and they dance, like that happens. But he was like dancing in his uniform with his teammates. Yeah. And apparently, this kid's walk-on wide receiver, so you know, uh, you know, he's not a scholarship guy. Has like a million TikTok followers. So, dude's gonna make some bag, you know, yeah. when NIL starts. Yep. But I, I looked at the clip. Maybe it just wasn't a good clip. I'm like. He wasn't really in sync with the the words that much. What song was the it? Da- do you know? I don't remember. I don't know. Some young. <laughs> it was just like people. There's, he has a million people watching this. Like okay, like I didn't I didn't get it. But I'm probably not that demographic. You're an old man, Ryan. I'm sorry. I'm really old now. <laughs> I'm fifty. Like it's you know. weird. I've I've watched you age right in front of my eyes. You have. <laughs> But I try to understand. <laughs> you do I think I'm pretty job. good with the Instagram now. I know like the ratio of like post a post every once in a while. I had to coach you a little bit, yes, you but did. you got it down. I do the stories. I try to do too many stories, but uh, you know, you kind of let people know what's going on. Yeah. The TikTok thing, I don't get. Like, okay, I'm dancing in front of a camera, lip syncing to a song poorly, and then you know, 
It seems like there's a lot of like attractive women that do that, and then you get a whole bunch of followers or something. Yeah, I mean, it's TikTok's its own wild, wild west. I'll say that. Yeah, but I haven't, I haven't checked that out. But anyway, I mean, that kind of we could start with name, image, and likeness. Sure, I guess I mean, a little bit if we want to. So that's starting tomorrow. Um, Oregon did pass uh, a law. Yeah. Also, uh, there's six other states I believe that did, like Texas and Georgia, Florida. I, 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 New Mexico's one. I thought it was only New Mexico on the West Coast, but then Oregon like stepped in. But you might, and, and California is what started this uh, back in 2019, I believe it was. They passed the law, but their law wasn't going to go into effect until 2023. All these other states are starting early. But the NCAA was trying to get some legislation put in. They were looking to Congress. They were supposed to have something done, and they basically just gave up. And so now it's like, yeah, go out and do it. If you're a state that doesn't have the law, we're not going to punish you anyway. So it, it's almost better. Like you're in California. There's a law in the books, but it's not it's not law yet. It won't be until a couple of years unless they move it. I think there was talk of them moving it up. Yeah, they want to do like an emergency bill type of thing where they hope they could get it enacted in September. Yeah. So of this year, of 2021. But it's probably better to not have a – because now you just do whatever you want. Like if you if you have a law, then you have to follow what the law is like. They're supposed to use like common sense or something to do this. Like if you don't have a law, the NCAA is like, yeah, you can make money off your name, image, and likeness. But even though there's no law in the books, it's, this is just going to be, we have no idea. Yeah. I think University of Nebraska said every student athlete is going to have some sort of business deal. Everyone in the program. Oh, wow. I mean, there's a lot of weird stuff that's going to happen. Yeah. Because basically the NCAA punted to punted it to the member institutions and was like, hey, you figure it out. If you have a law, follow the law. If you don't, your school itself can create NIL rules and right. you need to follow that. So it's interesting in that sense because like I know for Florida State, um, they made a rule that no donors can be a part of the NIL process or any of those deals but they don't define what a donor is so it's like yeah how it's just it's a wild wild west because no one really they, you're not having a overarching umbrella of this is what you should do this is what you shouldn't do like you would think the ncaa would be the the institution to do it and to enforce those things and make things really clear no, and they're you know. terrible yeah so it's just every man, every man for himself yeah they punted this down the road they could have they could have nipped this in the bud. You know, this started with the Ed O'Bannon stuff, yeah. with, you know, years and years ago. Mm -hmm. And they just were trying to hold on with all their might, with all their power, make sure amateurism stayed. Well, it's going away. Now, this to be clear, this isn't schools playing payer, bleh, schools paying players. Yeah. This is, you know, athletes being able to make money. If you have your own YouTube channel or you're a million followers on TikTok because you do crazy dances and lip sync or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. People will pay you for a posting. So that TCU wide receiver can do a post where he's like drinking a Dr. Pepper and like get paid 10 grand for that or something. And he should, like he's got a lot of people that follow him. So he has a million people following him. So if he shows a product, there's value in that. And yeah. just because he's a college football player doesn't mean he shouldn't be able to, to make money off that. We talked about like the, the trick shot, you know, long snapper, like it's hard to make a, make your name as a long snapper. You got this awesome video that's going to get like a million views. You want to get some money off it and they won't allow that. Or uh, was it Jeremy Bloom who was, you know, he was a skier, you know, and, and playing on the Colorado football team and they wouldn't, you know, all that stuff. Like, Hey, you can do endorsements now as a, an Olympic skier. Like, well, you can't do that because you play college football. Yeah. 
a lot of that stuff is just dumb, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, but we don't know how it's going because the NCAA didn't have; they don't have the rules in place. There's probably going to be some crazy stuff going on. There's, you know, you're allowed to hire. I forget what the term they used. It wasn't an agent. It was some sort of representation. I forget what the term they used, but they didn't want to say the word agent. But well, you yeah. can you can have an agent, like a marketing agent. Stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. There's going to be terrible ones out there. They're going to try to take all your money. And there's going to be 18-year-old kids that make stupid decisions and hire the wrong people and get completely fleeced. But that's life. Like, that's going to happen, right? Like, you can't protect everybody from everything. Like, you got to allow these kids to go make money, and now we will. And so, you know, literally, we're recording this just after noon. In less than 12 hours, we're going to see, I mean, fireworks, I would think, just before the 4th of July. I'm really curious what we're going to see. And for, like, USC, they've been ahead of uh, an I. NIL stuff uh, since the beginning. And so are they going to have this rollout? Like what what type of social media are we going to see? What type of content? I'm just really curious because now it's just the gates will be open and I'm really curious what we will see. What if we see a brand deal immediately with someone or someone changing their brand style? I don't know. It's going to be really interesting because it's, it's just so new. Yeah. Jake Olson, his company Engage mm-hmm. is involved in this. There's a lot of companies that are jumping in and, you know, with no rule book, they're all going to have different philosophies. Yeah. And to be honest, Keely, I don't know if we know if USC is ahead of the game. They've done work. They've, But there could, you know, I, there's other schools in the Pac-12 that have announced, like, names of what they're doing. And we could find I, – I think USC is going to be ahead of things. But you don't know. Everyone's going to – like, could reveal things that happen, you know, at, at 12.01, you know, this tomorrow morning. And, like, holy crap, they're doing that. Like, there's going to yeah. be a lot of that, you know. It's going to be – even bigger than the early signing period where yeah. some people, some colleges waited and kind of like felt it out. Some people were like, we know we're signing these people. I think it's going to be the same thing where some people are going to make a splash and some people are going to be sitting and watching and going, oh, okay, we should try and do something like that. So I, I just wonder who's going to be, who's going to be flashy. Who's going to be yes. ahead of the game. I'm very curious. And I mean, if you're a school that's not, really a football powerhouse, but suddenly you're making waves in, in IL. Um, are you suddenly a more attractive place to go? I, I don't know. It's just, how does this impact recruiting? And we've heard in June so many things about, oh, I talked to this school about their program. I talked to this school about their NIL program. And that's really standing out to recruits. And so it's just another factor that's going into this whole process. So, yeah. USC in the the early signing period got caught flat-footed. Didn't yeah. didn't adjust right away, but then did. I think USC is not going to be flat-footed in this one. They're out there. I mean, I think they'll be one of the better ones. But it'll be funny because there's going to be, I mean, every so we cover USC, our friends that cover UCLA or Texas or Florida State, whatever it is, they're all going to be like, wow. So this, you know, there's going to be social media stuff, and we'll start seeing tweets or you know reports on the message boards from all these different do you hear what uh michigan's doing or oh i can't believe lsu's doing that like there's gonna be some that are like that's a terrible idea how could you do that and they'll be like, wow that's awesome and there'll be schools that are like i wouldn't we should do that too or they'll be like i would never do that i mean it's i think we're just gonna find out it's like i don't i mean it's just you, everyone has like this secret i think and you're gonna they, but they it's like you're you're all you're like a costume party and it's like you're all just taking your mask off. You have no idea who people are. And then you're going to like take them all off. Like, holy cow, that's you. Like, it, I, it's just going to be 
It's going to be a crazy couple of days to it'll, start. Yeah, it'll be very, very interesting because we're it's we know we're entering into a different era of college football. Like we know that this is now going to be different from Thursday on, which is I think kind of cool to know that's happening in that sense. Um, but I, I guess we probably should give credit to USC for at least, you know, I think in the beginning, a lot of people laughed at Boulevard Studios and was like, what is that? That's so cheesy. But then that's a brand name that's already out there. And so you're not introducing a new brand right before Thursday. You know, people know what that is. And now you can roll that out um, on Thursday and have bigger and better stuff because you already have that brand presence because you were trying to be ahead of the game. So I mean, yeah. that at least is a, a benefit for USC that they had that that uh, presence of mind to at least establish that brand before everything gets kicked off. There was definitely foresight there. And uh, we don't know. They might be partnered with Engage. You know, they might be partnered with, uh, you know, Jake Olson's company or some other companies or we don't know. But we do know, like, yeah, they've they've been branding this for a while without kind of giving a lot of details of what it's going to mean. Um, but, you know. Any any athlete, it doesn't have to be football. What I like is, you know, that gymnast over at UCLA that was getting created, like, she can make a ton of money. You know, there can be people that are in the Olympic sports that are making a lot of money. USC's been promoting, you know, having more Olympic, you know, Olympians, more medals than any other university out there. I mean, a lot of those track stars and swimming stars and water polo, like, they can actually make good money doing this. And it's, you know, if it's the social media thing, if it's holding clinics, you know, like uh, Olympia and Alex, uh, you know, Alison Felix is hosting this camp or whatever, you know, that she's gone. But like anyone that's at USC at the time, they can do these things and make money off it. It could be an autograph session. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously sponsorship like this, you know, Felix, uh, you know, car dealership is going to, you know, they're going to sponsor, you know, who knows? Keaton Slovis will probably be on a billboard for like, uh, something, you know, something like that's going to happen. And it's not just going to be the Keaton Slovis of the world or Drake Jackson's. It'll also be a lot of the Olympic sports people that are, yeah. that are good. Yeah. And USC for their credit has a lot of, uh, especially in water polo and their, their aquatic sports has a lot of Olympians. And I mean, the track Tons. team, track team, they've just been pumping out people going to Tokyo. So, uh, it's, it'll definitely be beneficial for the, non quote unquote uh money making sports for the school. Yeah. Uh all right. Well NIL just I mean if you're sitting down, I have like uh like armrests on my chair. Just hold on to them for real quick because you're just not sure what's gonna happen. Like we don't know. Strap in. It's going to be a crazy ride. Seat yeah. belts on. You folks. need the, the shoulder strap, not just the lap belt. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, the whole thing. Yeah. Um we gotta talk so uh John Wilner does a great job San Jose uh Mercury News covering the Pac twelve you know, big. You know, I would definitely follow him. What's going on with George Klavkov is is starting here uh, tomorrow, so it'll be good for the Pac-12 to get some new leadership in there. But he talked to some of the Pac-12 athletic directors about uh, the new role, and we actually got to mention in his latest column. I know, I saw that. I with, saw the tweet because I I have him on tweet alerts. And, oh, you do. And I was like, oh, is he referencing us? <laughs> so if you remember when we interviewed Mike Bone, he sort of you know I. We we asked them something about like you know would the pact would USC consider going independent going independent and uh, he had said where's the quote here he uh, said I think right now and Larry would agree with this everything's on the table yeah uh, and that, so he put in the column and that's what he told the uh, the Peristyle podcast. podcast so boom yeah, yeah. Uh, but now it seems like he's willing to team up with you know be a leader 
team up with uh, the Pac-12. Um, you know, it definitely felt more of uh, everyone needs to be equal before. And if that's still the the sense he gets, I don't think it is. I think you look at the ACC, how valuable is Clemson to the ACC? It's more valuable than North Carolina State. It just is. Yeah. The Pac-12 was going to treat Oregon State the exact same as USC, and they were going to, like, that was going to be a hill to die on. Yeah. And I feel like George Glavkov is going to come in and be like, if we want to make money as a conference, we need the LA schools to be good. If Oregon's going to have this brand out there, we want the, we want to put it out there. And Washington State, we don't want them to not succeed, but we're not going to try to prop them up at the expense of the bigger programs. And I feel like if that's what's happening in the Pac-12, that'll make Mike Bone happy. And that's sort of the sense I got from, from reading this. Yeah, and I think it was important during Larry's tenure for Mike Bone to say, hey, like, it's not going to be what you're used to with USC where we'll, we'll, we'll roll over a little bit. I mean, um, and I know Wilner said like it made waves throughout the conference and the national scene of college football, because if, if USC leaves the Pac-12, what is the Pac-12? You know, so I think right. just flexing that muscle was important. And I think that is good coming into this new era of a new com- commissioner, because at least they know where Mike Bone stands on these things, you know, hundred percent. So. And uh, if Clemson said, Hey, we're leaving the ACC, the ACC would be screwed, right? Yeah. You know, um, LeBron James leaves Cleveland. You know they're screwed, right? Um, you just need is is everyone on the Cavalier? You know, is Kevin Love super important? Like everyone's important, but you're not as important as LeBron was, and he changes the game. And a program like USC changes the game in the Pac-12. You don't have to, you know, bow down to USC, but you can't go out of your way to like knock them down, which happened. And some of the points he puts up. You know, getting the twelfth, one twelfth of the revenue, when a huge portion of that, you know, is because of USC getting punished because you play Notre Dame, which brings all these eyeballs and it's a you know tradition thing. But yeah. then you got to play some terrible game in the beginning because you're not, you know, it's like no, that stuff's dumb. And then even in December, playing three games in thirteen days uh, for the championship game, I don't use that as an excuse. But there's stuff like that. That wouldn't happen to Alabama. That wouldn't happen to Clemson. Yep. That wouldn't happen to Ohio State. Or so, even not knowing Oregon versus Washington, your opponent. <laughs> right. And Oregon having two weeks to prepare and yep. all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think as long as the Pac-12 addresses a lot of that stuff, um, then I think they'll be fine. So, uh, But he, there's some other points he had in there. Um, you know, as far as playing... An eight conference game. He said USC is kind of unique because never played an FCS team. It's going to be hard if you have to come up with four out of conference games. I think they could do that though. Um, the Notre Dame contract only goes through 2026, but it sounds like you know both him and Jack Swarbrick, Swarbrick are going to keep that going. Um, and uh, you know he's as far as his vision for USC. Uh, he wants to be the most student-athlete-centered program in the country, and I think we'll see a lot of that stuff with the NIL where they're mm-hmm. really going to focus on um, student-athletes. So it's a good one. You know, get, Definitely go check it out. Uh, Wilner does a good job, and uh, you know, we get mentioned there, so you, gotta, you should read it. <laughs> so of course, of course. No, yeah, uh, Wilner does a great job. But I think it's interesting, too, um, just the fact that in his – like, I know it's always easy to uh, ace the intro presser, but it felt like – uh, Klyalkov at least understood the bare minimum of what is needed going forward. So it sounds like Bone got that same vibe from him in their in their AD meeting. So we'll see. But 
It seems better. The bar was very low, but it seems it like was. he at least knows the right things to say, which is a start. <laughs> yeah. I think I'll do a little piece on that, too, because I, I talked to, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you know, uh, having, you know, an interview, <clears throat> excuse me, um, talking about should USC, um, you know, go public. And that was, I mean, uh, go independent. And uh, Bill Plasky was like, I've been saying that for years. They don't need the Pac-12. And so he was really quick to jump on, yeah, USC should go independent. So that was interesting. So I'll put the I'll put the clip of that one up again. But that okay. sounds like Mike Bones sort of, uh, you know. He backed off a little bit. I would say he backed off a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Uh, I was at, uh, on Monday, a couple days ago, the uh, Trojan Football Alumni Club had their golf tournament down in Strawberry Farms in Irvine and oh, nice. uh, went down there. Played with a couple of pair stylers. Hey. Uh, McKay's Ghost. I was out there. Okay. And our, our buddy Kyle and uh, met a new guy, Kurt, who was nice. And uh, it was fun. We were, I think we were supposed to play with Brandon Hancock, but he was promised to like uh, a bunch of teams. He played in the group like behind us. But um, yeah, he was playing with like Matt Barkley and a couple other guys. Uh, but there was, it was it was a fun day. It seems like such a Ryan Abraham event. It's a very Ryan Abraham event. You golf, just do the golf. USC. I play a lot better too because I can like, I'm good at a scramble. So scramble like you don't, everyone doesn't play your own ball. Like we all four hit and then you take the best one and go from that. And I'm capable of hitting like really good shots, but I'm, I can shank them too. So when you shank one, it doesn't matter. Someone Got it. someone okay. else's. Yeah. So nice. I just need the, you just need the, like the, the you know, if you just, if you're consistent, like you can help a team if everyone else screws up. You're consistent, but not very long or whatever. But if you're long, then you can really help the team because, you know, you don't hit every drive good, but the ones you do, uh, go use that. Nice. So I like the scrambles. and uh, But it was fun. And uh, so Clay Helton there, was there. He spoke at the dinner uh, afterwards. Um, Clay McGuire, the new offensive line coach. Seth Deggy, um, the uh, tight ends coach. He was there. Vic Soto. Nice. Apparently it's not that good. At, I mean, a lot of coaches aren't that good at golf because they don't, you know, they're, they're busy. They don't get to do much, but true. Um, Maybe that's a good thing. Vic, yeah. Vic was there. He, I guess he can, I was told he could mash the ball when he I was about to. to say, I feel like it's like too dainty for them, especially the guy like Vic. That's like hard. <laughs> yeah. But you see a guy like Bruce Kepka, like if you're big and you can, you can really muscle the ball around. I'm sure. So, like I played with, uh, in another tournament with Brandon Hancock, who was, you remember him. He's not as big as he used to be when he played at USC. And Sonny Bird is a pretty big dude, too, the former uh, USC running back. And I could drive it further than them. But, I mean, I'm a little taller. I have longer arms. But they could just muscle it out sure. there, you know. So it's it's kind of fun. Um, anyway, we had a good time. And fun. Uh, chatted to uh, Chris O'Dowd. I got to talk to him. Actually, I got to introduce him to Clay McGuire, who I hadn't really met in person because we haven't, you know, he's new. We haven't yeah. had a chance to meet him in person. So yeah. it was kind of cool to, like, <laughs> say hello and, and all that, and, you know, because Chris loves the team and. You know, he wants to know what's going on in the offensive line. He's one of the best centers in, in USC history. Um, him, Ryan Khalil, or some other guys. But uh, yeah, it was it was a it was a cool day. Uh, I thought you know Clay Helton did a good job. He kind of went through uh, some of the guys on offense and some of the guys on defense and special teams. And uh, oh, uh, Sean Snyder was there too, the special teams mm -hmm. coach, and a couple of like the uh, analysts and stuff were there too. But Marshall Sherrington, I got to see him. Hey, he's a bigger dude. He's uh remember Marshall? Like, so Marshall like entered for us when he was in high school. Yeah. Comes out here when he was like a freshman at USC, you know, skinny kid or whatever. He definitely looks like he's been hanging around a football team for a while. He's bigger dude. <laughs> Marshall's getting a plug right now. Oh, there you go, Marshall. Hey, Marshall, he's been uh, hitting the weight room. I don't know. I couldn't tell if he did leg day, but he's definitely doing uh, <laughs> chest and stuff. Um, but you know who's huge? Matt, 
I can answer this, but yes. Matt Barkley. So I so he was the group behind us. I see him out like, hey Matt, what's up? He's like, Hey Ryan, how you been? Blah blah blah. And I'm like, oh my God, he looked like he was bigger than Hancock. He looked like a linebacker. Um, he almost looked like taller because he was, I think he was like six three, six two. He's like about my height, but just like shoulders and chest, like he looked big. And I was like, dude, you're huge. He's like, Yeah, yeah, I've grown up and it's like he's growing up or something. And I was like, no, dude, you're like an NFL player. You look in, enormous. Um, and I believe he's a he was with Buffalo for years. I think he's a free agent now, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, looked uh, looked really good. He won the longest drive contest. So okay, there I, you go. The, the longest drive hole, like I hit a really good drive. And uh, yeah, his was like 30 yards by me or something. Maybe he but, was prepping for this event. That's why he I mean, he's good. just a better athlete than me. <laughs> I'm probably a better golfer. So, yes. There's some really good, man. The guys that won... I think they were like 19 under. So that means you have to birdie every hole plus an eagle somewhere. Um, at which, if you've got a bunch of good golfers, it's yeah, it's crazy. Like, we were not, we were pretty good. We were nine under, but you know, they beat us by 10 strokes. Um, uh, Colin Ashton, if you remember him, he was a walk on linebacker with Pete Carroll back in the day. Okay. He's like a better than scratch golfer. So I talked to him for a little while. I saw him at the last tournament too, Darnell Bing's tournament, but. He just smashed it. And I was, it was, there was a former player. Is it Jimmy Jimmy Butler? I don't know. Man. I, we watched him on the driving range, and he just was like rope, rope, rope. Like everything was dead straight. I'm like, that guy's good. He ended up winning. I'm like, okay. So I, I could scout well. I'm like, that guy hasn't – like his shot didn't move at all. Like I'll hit that one, and then I'll go that way. You know, like no. His was like boom, 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 boom. I'm like, okay. So there were some some good – Apparently stack teams there. Nice. It was fun day overall. Nice. It was a very Ryan Abraham event. Got to schmooze, got to golf. It's right up your alley. It was fun. <laughs> yeah. It was it was good. You know, I, it was funny because O'Dowd was at the last like USC event I was at um right before the pandemic hit. Yeah. Yeah, down in San Diego. We spoke, you know, in front of uh it was Jake Olson's thing and everything for the Trojan Club, which doesn't exist anymore in San Diego. Um so it was good to see him again. It was, yeah, it's good to see a lot of those people that nice. You had seen former players. Aaron Emanuel like was in the group in front of us. He's a big dude, former USC running back from so like, like my era. The big dude report brought to you by Ryan Abraham. Some big dudes, yeah. <laughs> uh, but like yeah, some older players, younger players. Yeah, it was it was neat to kind of see uh, some of the guys come together. Cool, very nice. Yeah, Taylor. There was the three Ashton brothers were there. Colin Taylor, who did some stuff for us on the site before. Okay. And uh, his twin brother, uh, who didn't play football, but um, yeah. So nice. anyway. Quick Very report nice. there. Maybe not that quick. A little golf report. Little golf report going on. Yeah, you get to. It's cool to see those people again. Like we we've gone a year and a half without like you know zooming people, but not like. And Zoom is so different. It's just yeah. such a different experience. You definitely it's more casual when you can be in person and and kind of uh, just shoot the breeze. Yeah, and I was like, like I've talked to Vic Soto. I've had him on the show. I'm like, I don't think I've shaken his hand. Like it's so weird, right? Yeah. Like because you know. Oh right, yeah. That's so weird. Right, like is it? The presser. Oh, I'm yeah. Like, I think we got to meet him in the person. The one presser. Yes. And then COVID. Yeah. And then COVID hit and then boom. Boom. Uh, we also are lucky enough to be just a mile away from the Elite 11. I know. From right where we are, too. So people coming from all over the country. Uh, you got to go to the check-in. I did this morning. Yeah. So what? what's, uh, what's all that like? What's going on there? I mean, it's just a lot of quarterbacks right now, which is kind of cool. Uh, they're doing a cognitive test. That's part of their like morning activities. And I was trying to get uh, – so I talked to uh, 2022 USC quarterback commit four-star Devin Brown. Um, and so basically I think USC actually has this in the McKay Center. It's basically like a memory test. And so it will flash 
little dots on a screen and you have to show where they flashed. Oh. It's a really, yeah, so it's a cognitive test. They didn't tell him how he did, but he thought he did pretty well. So we'll see about that. But I got to talk to him about, you know, coming back out to L.A. Uh, he went on an unofficial visit two weeks ago to USC. He loved it. Um, he was offered in September 2020, I believe the 1st of September, uh, and then committed 18 days later. And he'd been talking to the coaching staff for like six months before that. So, I mean, he's a guy who his junior year really uh, shot up. Kind of not as close, but similar to Jackson Dart-ish. Um, he did move to Utah. He he's going to uh, yeah. uh, Corner Canyon. Yeah. in Utah. Yeah, so he's he's following the footsteps a little bit of Jackson Dart. Yeah. So um, he's close with Harold and and Seth Dagey. And I was asking him like, is he going to be a recruiter this weekend? Because the opening is also this weekend in Los Angeles. And he was like, I'm trying to uh, work on T Mac, who's a wide receiver at Servite, and uh, just kind of getting to know guys because he was like in COVID, you're not really seeing guys as as much as you would right. when you're going to this camp that camp he was like i'm just I'm, i was home you know so uh he's trying to get the the feel of things of being the the quarterback recruiter if you will so yeah yeah but a, a super nice dude and uh i'm excited to see him i mean he he said elite 11 was his dream um and you know he he struggled his freshman year in high school and then he got invited to the regionals in houston and when he was announced as uh the final finalist for elite 11 his dad started crying in the stands wow, because yeah. like it's uh, for some reason he just loved elite 11 that was his like big dream and so he was saying it's like kind of surreal to be there uh today so cool stuff nice yeah we get to see our buddy yogi will be down there and uh i mean it was a it was a 247 recruiting palooza this morning because it was it? it was just like biggins huffman uh will fong like it was everyone just like posted up there talking to the quarterback so nice it's a big 247 event so it's uh it's a little weird the way they do it and uh, i know you'll be down there covering film so check out the site she'll have uh video of uh brown throwing the ball Sometimes you're waiting around for like an hour and they throw it like six times and then it's like, oh, he's done for the night. I'm like, what? Like, yeah. So it's so, one of those events where you kind of stand around a bit and, and talk. Quite so. a while. Yeah. Yeah. But what's uh, what's the opening starts? He'll he'll be getting a ton of reps. Yeah. Um, and they'll they'll be doing stuff. There, there's a process that they go through. Right. Like they want you to learn their methodology and uh, and their playbook and all that kind of stuff. So there's there's a lot of like on-field teaching and you know there's a lot of talking when we're watching we want to see action you know so yeah we'll see maybe there'll be a little bit more than normal but um i mean since we've been in covid i mean it'll be nice to see anything we, i yeah. went to a seven on seven on saturday and so getting back into the swing of things as far as recruiting events was kind of fun so yeah i'll take it i guess nice filming some stuff so yeah check it out uh we we already have a couple stories at the front page and we'll have more um from the elite 11 and of course the opening and stuff yeah, tons of up. content in that sense. And then uh, player run practices are going to start here. PRPs. Well, they've been going on. We yeah. just can't see them. Yeah, so July is when they usually are like, okay, we'll let the media see something. I don't know how much we're going to see and if we can talk to people. It's kind of sad because each year it gets more and more regulated and restricted because like the most fun is when guys just go against each other one-on-one -on -one after practice like it's just cool to see how athletic the guys are and you can kind of tell when the pads are off and they're just kind of having fun playing so i mean we'll see what that looks like first one is going to be on the sixth so next week uh, we're getting close to some football ryan it's crazy how close we are actual football people yeah. there's been a couple threads on the peristyle the the premium message board over at uscfootball.com make sure you go check that out about man we missed those videos and to me that was the most fun i would so have fun covering usc was like the summer guys just out there you know 
going one on ones, like you said, take your shirt off, see what's going on. All the new freshmen would arrive. Yeah. See what they look like. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, there's always someone that looks different or plays a different position or whatever it is. Like, there's just always fun things that were going on there. And yeah, it was, I think we handled it well. Like, they, you know, you could talk to players, you could, you know, I, I've done, casual, yeah. Yeah, I think I put like a GoPro camera on one of the quarterbacks' heads one time. We did that. Like, I don't think they like that, but we did some fun <laughs> stuff. Um, you know, you could just have a lot of fun with it. Now it's just harder to do. And even guys like Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network, he would like talk to us. Like, I mean, he loves seeing that stuff. Yeah. You know, um, you know, coaches would tell us like back in the Pete Carroll days, like they can't go watch those. They would watch our videos. You know, so yeah. there's an advantage for them to yeah. let us film them. Um, but yeah, they've just gotten more and more restrictive. So we would yeah. love to be out there. We just, you know, we're not allowed. Yeah. I mean, there's something to be said for when there's not a lot of structure to a practice and they're just, you know, throwing and, and having fun. That's kind of when you can have the like most interesting or insightful uh, insights, if you will. Um, because like that was the time that we saw Sam Darnold go get the water cart and he's like in line to be the starting quarterback and he's has that attitude to go get the water cart. Like do you, you know how to get the walk on to go get it for you? Or like just seeing guys like try and see who can jump the farthest or stuff like that. Just like dynamic team dynamics. And like some guy's going to try and be a corner for a couple refs. And you're like, Oh, okay. He has good skills. Like, you know, it's just, it's fun because it's like a, a training ground of like different things outside of the very structured practice where we've seen a ton of like the same things over and over again. Yeah. And it, I mean, there's bad stuff that happens. There's injuries. Um, you know, we saw one quarterback, I throw, think throw like five interceptions and eight throws and you're like, well, do we not want to put that up? But all those guys that made interceptions, you want to, you know, show them like, yeah. you know, and so we would try to do it in a way that you weren't like just going back to back. You kind of spread it around a little bit, but you want, you know, Try to. We would always try to handle it respectfully because yeah. you know it's uh, it's a practice. It's like a casual practice, so it yeah. shouldn't be like judged in the way that sometimes fans judge things. You right. Know? But um, guys would come up and be like, "Hey, the running back group would come up and ask us to take a picture of, of them," mm -hmm. and they, you know that the players love it. They, I mean, you don't mind being filmed. You know, like people want to like yeah. if I go make a great play, I want that. I want someone to see the that flexing. And then yeah. they, you know, especially with social media now, like when we were doing it big time, there wasn't. The players didn't have the same kind of avenue to put it up there themselves. But now, like, hey, uh, if I show, um, you know, Isaiah Polamau, like, picking off, uh, you know, Keaton Slovis, making, like, a one-handed interception, we could tweet that out and tag him, and he can share it with his friends. And it's like, yeah, that, they love that stuff. You know, they, they want to take part of it. So hopefully we'll be able to do some more. But COVID's made it weird, too, obviously. Yeah. Just yeah. like everything else. Yep. So we'll see what that looks like this next month. So all right. Hopefully good stuff. I hope so. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, take a quick break and we will come back and get to your questions. We've got a bunch of questions today. So back in a minute. We uh, have a voicemail that has to do with uh, name, image, and likeness a little bit. You want to start there? Go for it. we talked about that a sure. little bit. Uh, it's our buddy Curtis. Uh, yeah, so here we go. Hi, Curtis from Moreno Valley. This call is for everybody on the podcast. You did a real good job on the last one that I listened to. And one of the most powerful things we have in recruiting is name and likeness. As soon as it's legal for these kids to make money off of that, SC is in such a close proximity to 
large amounts of Hollywood producers, Hollywood uh, agents, people that make money are here. People that they can have meetings with for it's all legal now to to make money off their name and likeness. I hear that's a big part of the pitch from our recruiting department. They're going to be making money soon. And if you're close to Hollywood, sky's the limit. Curtis from Moreno Valley. Hey, Curtis. Yeah, I think he's got some good points there. Now, I, be careful because you got to execute. You know, just because you're in a proximity to Hollywood. You have to have a plan. You have to execute it. And I think USC will. I mean, Larry Scott said they're going to have their offices up in San Francisco because you're right next to all the tech money. That didn't do anything. That didn't help at all. So they didn't have a plan. Um, he was trying to sell equity. That never worked. I feel like USC does have a plan for this. And there's going to be different ways to make money with NIL. And there'll be some that we, no one's even talked about yet that people haven't thought of. But there's some obvious ones. And I think... Being in a metropolitan area, especially the entertainment capital of the world, yeah, there's got to be some advantages built in. Now, if you're in Omaha, Nebraska, there's going to be, you know, Lincoln, Nebraska, wherever, like you're, there's going to be a little bit different feel. But if you're like the backup offensive guard for Nebraska in Lincoln, everyone knows who you are. Like that, you could have value there. If you're the backup guard at, for UC, USC football, like, no one would know. Like you're, you're not like the diehard USC fans will, but the general population of Los Angeles would not. So, yeah, it's a bigger city, but the whole city doesn't live and die USC football like a Lincoln, Nebraska will. So there's going to be different ways to do it. But if you're looking big picture, further reach, yeah, you might be able to kill it as anyone, any starter for Nebraska or like Florida State and Tallahassee probably can do well in their communities, you know, any kind of college town, uh, even like a Columbus, which is a city, but like, you know, Ohio State's huge there. I think they might do better than like the a guy that's not a star on the football team in Los Angeles because there's just not as much reach. There's not the professional sports teams that you have. Um, you know, you, you have all this pro stuff going on in L.A. So, you know, Kenley Jansen and, uh, you know, all these guys can they they can make money, you know, Um all these professional athletes are already in, you know, you got LeBron James here, you got Paul George, you got Kawhi Leonard, like all these dudes are already in your city. So there's a big, those guys aren't, don't exist in Nebraska, right? So there's differences, but yes, I think having Hollywood there, you're going to be able to do things if you get creative enough and it'll be curious to see who does better. Uh, I My general thought is, if you're the average football player in a college town, you can do well, probably better than the average football player in a city where there's all kinds of professional athletes too. Yep, I would um, agree. I would, so, but we don't know how it's going to play out. There might be other great ways for, um, you know, Andrew Voorhees to make money. Where Andrew Voorhees on Nebraska probably is going to be like, oh, he's been around. He started for three years. People know who he is. Like in LA, like the average person in walking down the street does know, have no idea who Andrew Voorhees is, but yeah. Lincoln, they would. Yeah. So he could probably make money in Lincoln easier than LA, but there might be some cool things he can do in LA. And that's the Boulevard studios and stuff that they help him make money, even though he might not be a known commodity, you know, in the city. Mm -hmm. I, I guess a way to simplify it is the quantity of players who could benefit is probably higher in a smaller town or a more football centric city or whatnot. Whereas 
in like a Los Angeles, it will be a more select number of players, but they probably will receive more money. So it's a it's a give and take. True, yeah. So uh, we'll see. I mean, maybe that's not the case. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Like we honestly don't know. But no, that's like um, back of the envelope. Com- like just if you ask me, I'm like, I think that's how it would probably work. Yeah, could be completely wrong. You know, we yeah. don't, we don't know. We have no idea. But I mean, I will say, I feel like um, some USC fans are kind of rubbed the wrong way that USC is branding like Hollywood and making it kind of flashy. But I think that's just they're trying to lean into their strengths of of what they can offer. And of course, they're offering their presentations when they go on campus and they're not going to say they're, they're not going to brand um, what they're telling kids behind the scenes. You know, they're the football yeah. conversations are going to stay behind closed doors. So, I mean, I know I think someone said like, Oh, I want only football kids here, like serious football players. And it's like, well, if you want a real serious football player, USC might not be the place for them right now. And so you have to get what you can as far as talent and start changing the perception of USC football. And then you can probably get better players in that sense. You know, so it's a hmm. it's kind of a snowball effect in that sense. I would think every car dealer, not just like in Lincoln, but probably in the entire state of Nebraska would want one of the Nebraska football players to be like an ambassador for them. You sure. know, where like um here like fletcher jones you hear them on the usc broadcast like that's the mercedes dealer he's a usc guy he'll probably have try to get keaton slowish or someone on there i would guess but the average car dealer probably not going to do that you know outside of getting a big name guy um it's just different but slovis might be able to make more money with fletcher jones mercedes than you could from a small you know whatever but yeah yeah i don't know we'll see i mean that's what's going to be fun about this because we don't know. You can like <laughs> speculate and like, oh, I think this is the way it's going to work. Nope, you were wrong. Uh, this yep. is going to work completely differently. So we shall see. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Let's move to an email from Frank in Sacramento who said, uh, "With college football, the playoff expanding to twelve teams, there's less chance for a great group of five coach to feel the need to jump to a power five team. There's now a chance for Luke Fickle and others like him to stay at programs like Cincinnati and win their conference to earn a high ranking and get a spot in the playoffs without moving to a major school. A playoff appearance will also attract some blue chip players, reinforcing a few group of five team status as top football schools and making them even better. Frank in Sacramento. Hey, Frank, I was actually listening to uh, the Audible. Uh, our friends uh, Stu and Bruce were on that one. And Bruce talked about Luke specifically. He said, you know, that's a every one of these coaches is going to be a unique situation. There's certainly could be some truth to this, where if you feel you can make the playoff at Cincinnati every year, you might want to stay. He turned down a place like Michigan state. Wasn't really interested without this playoff stuff. If it was Ohio state or Notre Dame, potentially USC. um, Yeah. Maybe he's more interested in something like that, but it's, you know, it's, it's hard to say, um, but I think it does make it more attractive. Uh, could you be, and I think this was the guys on the Yahoo Sports Talk, they might have been talking about this. Could you be a the, question about this, but yes. Oh, yeah. Could you be Gonzaga? Like, can you be, like, if you can make the playoff and win a game? I know this might have still been the audible. Win a game or two, you know, win a game. You don't have to, like, make the national championship game and you could do it consistently. You might have as much of a, you know, chance as anybody. And, you know, even though you're from a group of five, the group of five did, I think that came out of when they went to the playoff and there was four and there was like this other group of five conferences. There's no need. You don't need to differentiate who's power five and who's not anymore. It's like, you're going to get an opportunity if you're ranked high. And then if you win a bunch of games, like it's probably going to help your conference and your school and everything. So I do like the, 
the fact that more people are going to be included. A lot of the Pac-12 fans, especially Pacific Northwest fans, didn't want to see expansion. They're like, you know, David Woods, my co-host on that, like they don't like it. I like it. I like everyone having a seat at the table or you can earn your way to have a seat at the table and then get a chance to do things. But yeah, if Luke Fickle takes Cincinnati to playoff like three years in a row and wins a game or something, like he might not want to go anywhere. He can constantly be a playoff team and get a higher level of of recruit in the, the fertile Ohio Valley area. But if a blue blood where you can like win on a, you know, Ohio state at the next level, maybe he goes for that, but he doesn't go for a place like he's already turned down Michigan state or something. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of a unique guy, but there's going to be a bunch of coaches that are like that. Like does, you know, a Matt Campbell at a like decent big 12 program, but not like the elite big 12 program. Maybe he can get to a, playoff and maybe he can't it might be easier for him to hit him to get to a playoff at a Cincinnati or UCF or something or you know Ohio State Clemson USC Alabama places like that too so I I think I could go both ways Frank but um you know we'll have to wait and see that's we don't know what's going to be implemented either but you know that could be a couple of years it could be five years from now mm-hmm. do you think the amount of money that a power five school could offer will always kind of have the edge up on group of five schools as far as attracting coaches and that's certainly a, a big factor of it, but there, I think being, having a seat at the table in these group of five programs will mitigate some of that. I think there's, there's opportunities where if you feel like you can keep winning, like Mark Few at Gonzaga, like he could have gone anywhere and he, but sure. he can win at yeah. a high level uh, at, and you just couldn't do that. Like, was it the undefeated, was it UCF undefeated and they finished like eighth or something? Yeah. Um, you had no chance to win. The system was rigged against you. Now it won't be. And if you're a good enough team, you can get the playoff and then win and just just go beat Alabama, you know? And if you yeah. do, like, holy crap, UCF beat Alabama. Like, it changes the game. Where before, you'd never even have a shot. Are you probably going to get blown out? Yeah. But I think um, there's opportunities there to win at a high level, but the money is going to be a big deal. Now, Michigan State threw a crap load of money around and didn't get some guys. Like, end up getting Mel Tucker from Colorado, who was five and seven. He's getting like six million a year or something crazy like that. So it's not always about money, but it does give you some opportunities. It's not just your salary, the assistant coaches you can bring in and stuff. Yeah. So it might be more of a, you know, Pac 12 versus SEC kind of thing versus then like a, a group of five thing. But I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have a. Email from Bert in Biloxi, I believe. Is that where Biloxi, is that? I Biloxi, think. Mississippi, I believe. Oh, there yeah. you go. Sorry about that, Bert. I think. Uh, he says, hey, guys. So I was listening to the Yahoo College Football podcast with Wetzel, Forty, and Thamel. Uh, if you listen to heard about it, do you agree with them saying that the Pac-12 is scared of getting jumped by two non-Power 5 conferences? Also, do you think that what Champagne Larry said about Pac-12 championship uh, champ needing an auto bid is the thoughts of the conference or just Larry being dumb? I don't see a season when the Pac-12 doesn't get uh, one to two teams in. P.S. Damani Jackson's interview with about Bama kind of scares me. Fight on Bert and Biloxi. Hey, Bert. Um yeah, so this was a couple weeks ago they were talking about this. So if you remember, Larry Scott, sort of his last hurrah was saying, like, we think that the, they should be automatic bids for the Power Five. And the debate that the guys on the podcast were having was, well, was that just Larry Scott being Larry? Or did the conference really want that to happen? And so they had Larry fall on the sword and say the dumb thing before he left and got his $5 million for his year is not going to work. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure where that came from. 
I definitely don't agree because it is one of those things where the top six conference champions get in. Now, this year, 2020, the Pac-12 wouldn't have made it, but that was a six-game schedule. Mm-hmm. I think every other year, the Pac-12 would have made it in. There's no reason to designate between the Power Five. That's just basically your bias of everything. Like, those are the better programs, right? You don't need to designate. Just like the six top six conference champs, you're in. So it would have to be, you know, all of the, the, the SEC, the ACC, the Big 12, and the Big 10 all get their champ in. And two group of five conference champs would have to be ahead of whoever the best Pac-12 team was. And I think what you're going to do is game the system a little bit, like we've seen other programs do. Go to eight conference games. Don't have divisions. Have the top two play. Because the problem is, like, if you remember when USC had the sanctions, UCLA won the South. Yep. They were six and six. What if they upset Oregon that year? I think it was Oregon. I forget who they played. Um, And they're seven and six. They wouldn't be one of the, the highest ranked teams. So try to eliminate that. And as long as you're taking the top two teams in the Pac-12, I don't think there'd ever be a scenario where they would finish below that. So, yeah, I, I think it's kind of done. I, would, I think this is more of a Larry Scott thing, and he just needed to shut up before he left. So, <laughs> Yeah. Also, uh, just to come in with some breaking news. Oh. According to The Athletic, the Division One Board of Directors has voted to approve the interim NIL policy. So college athletes in all 50 states will be able to monetize their name, image, and likeness starting tomorrow, July 1st. Doing so will no longer violate NCAA rules. So at the last minute, it's going through. Yeah, and I think that's what everyone had said. They did basically like... They we didn't were come anticipating up, that. They didn't come up with their own thing. They were just saying... And I don't know what's different about this statement as the other statements they made, but they didn't come up with, okay, here's the thing, the law we passed or whatever, the rules we passed. It was basically just like, yeah, we're not going to... You know, you can do it. Uh, whatever. It's uh, on Monday. It was proposed that they would do this, but today was the actual vote. Like they actually have to vote. They voted on. Yeah. It so said, I think okay. it, it went through. All right. So uh, Nicole Arbach from uh, yeah. the Athletic yeah. posted that one. So mm-hmm. basically, what we thought was going to happen. That's going to yeah. Know, Just it's, you know, gotta put some breaking news in in the pod. Yeah. Uh, our buddy Adam uh, Grossbard said the 59th minute of the 11th hour. Yeah. So it's very. <laughs> Yeah. Very, very, very uh, towards the end. I like that. Um, all right. You want me to play? I got a voicemail sure. from, I think it's our buddy Jason. Let's see. Hi, guys. This question's probably more for Ryan, although uh, Keely, since Keely's uh, from the Southern California area, as far as I understand. So, but uh, anyways, this question is just about, uh, you know, a lot's made about, you know, keeping every keeping uh, the, the California athletes at home and, and keeping everybody at home and, and how important that is. And, you know, while I get, yes, you know, the top guys, obviously you want to keep at home just because they're the top guys, uh, is, is a little bit too much being made of that? Because if I understand it right, I believe, Ryan, you came from somewhere in the East Coast, maybe Pennsylvania. I came from Texas and went to USC. And, you know, I think when I was there, Texas was the second biggest population at USC, bigger than Washington or a lot of other West Coast schools. Um, you know, a lot of the people I know from high school went away from Texas for college. So, you know, and, and they were high, highly academically talented. So, like, if they were leaving Texas. So, uh, you know, I was just wondering if, if we make a little too much of – keeping kids at home and some people just want to explore, you know, I made the decision to leave Texas at middle school for college. So anyways, be interested to get your thoughts of that. Bye on Jason Longhorn country. 
Hey, Jason. Um, yeah, always good to hear from him. Mm-hmm. So I think it's different for like me. I, was, I went to high school in Massachusetts. Um, didn't really have a lot of football talent in my, you know, me picking USC because of an engineering scholarship and moving to the West Coast versus if the, the guy with the running back on my football team, Todd Boldy, who was good, but he went to like a division Shots three or something. Yeah. I think I'm friends with him on Facebook, but uh, like he was a stud <laughs> running back in high school, but you know, not a division one athlete, nowhere near that. There's no, I mean, you, you need to get players from the hotbeds of recruiting talent. And if you live in one, it just makes it a lot easier. So Southern California has a ton of talent and people like me will go across the country for school. Like Jason, they'll move all over the place. People do that, but it's one of the harder things to do. Like if you listed a lot of the factors of what's important for recruiting, it's different for every school. It's different for every player, but a lot of the big ticket items, you know, it's like tradition, you know, winning tradition is important to people being, having a pipeline to the NFL. Um, but proximity to home is a big one. Like, and it doesn't, it means nothing for some people. But for a lot of people, it means a lot. And yeah. to get someone away from their home, if the if the guy really wants to leave, he's gonna leave. like it doesn't it doesn't matter. There's got, and I think a lot of West Coast kids are a little more worldly that they're willing to travel more than some other places. But if for the majority of kids, like being close to home and having your parents be able to watch you play and practice and all that stuff is a huge factor. So if you can keep those guys home, you act you have a built in. Um, you know, added benefit of being USC when you're recruiting Southern California and UCLA because the kids are home and their their parents can drive across town and watch you practice, not just go to your games, but watch you practice. If you go play, play for Clemson, I mean, it's great. Obviously, it's an amazing program, but that's going to be a factor of, hey, I'm going to be 3,000 miles away from my parents and they can come out to see some of my games, but not, you know, it's... Uh, because it's such a big factor for a lot of kids, it's not that everyone has different factors. You know, sometimes it's the mom that's a big influence. Sometimes it's the dad, it's an uncle, whatever. You kind of have to get a feel for every kid. But one of the consistent consistent factors is proximity to home. And if you're recruiting to Iowa, proximity to home doesn't matter that much because there's just not a lot of players. But you want to sell it at USC because there's a lot of players around you. Yeah. I mean... It's they always say it in recruiting, but it's mostly a family decision. A lot of the time, the the mom and dad have a lot of input, and they want to see their son um, close. and And I think in this specific case, Jason, people stress like keep the talent home when it's people like Bryce Young or a Justin Flo or DJ Ugalele who are like, I grew up watching USC football. I love USC. I want to go to USC, but it's just not the program right now for me based on where it is. And so how do you rebuild that? You keep the talented players in your backyard who grew up watching your university. You keep them home and you you develop that talent. And so then you you build on that talent, you know? And so I, I think that's where people stress it, you know, when it's the guys who who are like, please, USC, like get, get 10 wins so I can commit here. But then they end up going to the Alabamas or the Clemsons or whatnot. Um, so... I think that's where it's stressed too, but also because, you know, the reason why we made such a big deal about Michael Williams committing is it's really hard to go into places like SEC country and uh, pick up a guy who's not 
right next to your campus you know he's it's the the sharks are swimming circling in the water because now they have he has a target on his back because they're they're closer to him so a lot of it's just like a location thing a recruiting thing if you can't capitalize on where you are and how uh the proximity advantage that you have then you're you're definitely not going to have advantage going into other people's backyards and trying to recruit there you know so you got to capitalize where it's going to you have the advantage Right. You wanted a food analogy? I do. <laughs> okay. So you're a restaurant yes. and you're trying to hire the best chef possible. Okay. Yes. You're, very you're in, uh, you know, let's see. Let's say you are in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Lot, lot of, known for chocolate. Yes. This is, this is a restaurant though. You're not, you're not getting a baker. You're getting uh okay. So you're trying to get a rest. You know, you're trying to find the, this great chef. Or you have uh, this up-and-coming restaurant in Paris, France, right down the street from Le Cordon Bleu, mm-hmm. like the, the famous culinary school. Maybe the one in Hershey, Pennsylvania is offering a little bit more money. It's probably going to be hard to get that person away from, you know, they get an offer in a restaurant in Paris, France, where they went to school and all the chef talent is there and all these amazing restaurants, as opposed to moving all the way across country somewhere. Um, or across the pond and going somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I feel like, you know, you have this concentration of chef talent there. It's going to be, that's why there's so many awesome restaurants in Paris. You know, like there's just, it's going to, it's, it's going to be better. You're going to have better chefs around there. We've seen little uh, Italian restaurants in Los Angeles pluck uh, great Italian chefs out of like the backwoods of Italy, bring them over here. And they have like, you know, these amazing restaurants and stuff. It, it can happen, but like it's easier for them to kind of stick around there and they might go to Florence or go to Rome or whatever. Um, and that's bringing them to LA. Like if you're bringing them to Iowa, that's going to be a whole different story too. Um, so yeah, I think you want to be like, th- there's talent and there's a lot of times the talent wants to be in those bigger kind of cities. Now, if there's a, a huge draw, um, your French laundry up in Napa, you know, where it's like not a big city or anything, but it's a really famous restaurant. Like, Hey, you know, I'm going to, so you're Florida state, you're in like little, uh, Tallahassee, but you got all this winning tradition and stuff. You can go get somebody, you can get people from someplace else. You can go to get that best chef out of the cooking school and, and, you know, downtown LA, cause you have this great tradition to bring them to. So yes. I think there's a lot of it, you know, there's some similarities there to what's going on. I don't know if did that, did that fall short, Keely, or you good? I'm sure but i'm just glad to hear some restaurant talk yeah. on the pod to be honest um but i think there's also to be something said for the trinity league i think sometimes people get used to the talent in the trinity league but that's a big deal i mean they they go across the state and beat texas schools and stuff like that like it's it's a lot of talent so of course you want to capitalize that i think that's the main bullet point yeah so it's <laughs> it's a huge factor um and the reason you want to keep people close to home because there's people worth keeping that are close to home. Yes. Oddly if, enough, though, the 2022 class, I believe, is not that strong for California. No. Uh, and we've seen some of that drop off, too. But there's there's been a concerning trend where some of the best players are leaving the state. Now, we've, we've seen that. Like, I think Arizona is getting better players, right? Like, we're seeing some more talent coming out of Arizona. But the best players have been leaving the state quite a bit. And USC gets them in less some time. So yeah. if you're Arizona State or you're Arizona, you're recruiting Texas, you're recruiting California. But you would also like to keep some of those the great players that are in your state home if you can. So that's not always easy to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe just I'm trying to like answer Jason's question as much as possible. Maybe part of the reason why you hear 
uh, USC fans say it too, is that something that Pete Carroll immediately identified as like, hey, put a fence around Southern California, make California cool to stay in again. And so maybe that's why USC fans are fond of that that mantra. Yeah. And if you're, you know, you, you have a different situation everywhere. If you're Colorado, you better be pretty good at recruiting Texas. You know, they've had a lot of success in recruiting California. And if you're Oregon, you're recruiting the hell out of California. Like there's, you'd love to recruit Oregon, but it's more important probably to recruit California, you know, because yep. there's a lot more dudes. Yep, exactly. Uh, let's move on to a text. It's like half a joke, but also serious. It's from Mike, who says, uh, Jake Smith, a wide receiver from Texas, just hit the transfer portal. Given the fact that Longhorns only transferred to USC, where do you think he'll land in the depth chart? Fight on, Mike. <laughs> Interesting. I want to. I should pull that up real quick. Uh, how many Texas guys have transferred and how many of them ended up at USC? That's, that would uh, be a great article. Yeah. Uh, there's been a bunch. I, I haven't heard... I don't know much about Jake Smith. I haven't heard, but uh, it's a it's a good one. Uh, good one, Mike. Yeah, a lot of the, the the a lot of the new players that we've seen added this offseason are from the state of Texas, attended the University of Texas. You know, went to high school there. There's a lot of Texas ties, and I think you're going to see that for you know probably this will be the last year of it because you have it's not only that you got a couple former Texas assistants that recruited those guys. So they know them. And when you're getting a transfer, the transfer portal is like the land of misfits toys sometimes, right? Like you don't know what's going on with some of these guys. There's, there's maybe they left a horrible program. Like the coach was bad. The administration was bad, whatever, or they were a bad apple and they just couldn't get along with a good organization. So you got to find that out. If you have coaches on your staff that actually recruited the dudes and coached them and saw them in the locker room and saw them interact with players, you're probably not bringing in a cancer. Like if you bring someone from the transfer portal, you might, who knows, you know, they could be someone that's a problem. And uh, I think having that knowledge, it wouldn't be a problem. You know, you, you know, there's not going to be a problem. If you, if you bring in a guy that you know is a problem, he better be really talented because you're willing yeah. to put up with some crap that you don't have to be. Yeah. And I will say though, he is a guy that USC was interested at the time when he was a recruit and he did take an official visit to USC in May of 2018. Oh, so. oh then, oh, then Mike okay. has a point. Mike, he's in. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, not officially. We don't know. Breaking that. news. No, <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> but yes, it, something to watch for, I guess, yeah. considering the ties, the extended ties. So uh, we have an email from our buddy Dave in Iowa. And first off, this is just a general disclaimer to anyone. Uh, if Ryan makes fun of you or trolls you for your question or whatever, you never have to apologize. That's, no. that's just Ryan being Ryan. If you haven't listened to him, just give me grief for the last however many years. This is just his personality. So it's how he is. So don't worry. Don't take it seriously. This is just how he is. Because Dave apologized for his long voicemail last week. And Dave, you're fine. We we love hearing from all all the peoples. We lo- Especially off season. We need some help there. <laughs> yeah. Getting some conversation going. So thank you for that. Hey, uh, real quick. I'm yes. looking at their transfer I knew you were doing I had to do that, yeah. Um, So they have a bunch of dudes in the portal. Um, They've had a couple guys that aren't decided yet, but they had one guy go to Georgia Tech, someone go to Utah State, someone go to Utah, USC. I think this is some other weird school. Uh, Another USC. I don't know what that one is. Mississippi State. Um, Another USC. And then UTSA. So, yeah, by far three uscs and no one else has had more than one so um usc's getting there texas west yeah and uh there's jake smith there he's uh 
He's the newest in there. He's going to be immediately eligible, have three years of eligibility. So does USC need another receiver? Who knows? Who knows? Assume it's going to happen. Longhorn watch. Yeah, sorry about that. 2021. No worries. Interjecting that. Yeah, so Dave uh, said uh, he, he wants to adapt his voicemail from last week. And he said, I'm sorry, Ryan, for causing you frustration with what I said last week. I just wanted to get your opinion since two of USC's most successful head coaches came from Oregon. I don't know if it's obvious, but I respect Cristobal and what he's done up there and wish he was here. Before Saban signed his contract extension, the great Paul Feinbaum said a couple years ago that Cristobal would definitely be in consideration to be Saban's successor. To me, that says it all as to why he's a great coach. To change the topic, I'm glad about the five-star defensive line commit. He's talking about Michael Williams from a couple weeks ago. However, with the highly ranked players in the trenches being mainly on the defensive side, should there be more pressure on them and Vixa Oto to make the offensive line better? Your fan from Iowa Dave. Hey, Dave. Uh, I don't know if there'd be pressure on Vic Soto since no. he's recruiting well. Yeah. Um, on Meaning like developing them, I guess, oh, through sure. reps and whatnot. Uh, but it looked like, I mean, a guy like Jay Toya comes in and just, I mean, he seemed like he's doing a pretty good job developing just from what we've seen so yeah. far. Uh, certainly some pressure on Clay McGuire to bring in. But the problem is they do have a lot of guys on the roster already. There's not a whole lot of room to bring in more offensive linemen. So you kind of want to, I don't know, we'll see if there's some shuffling around. But they would like to bring in a transfer, and that still hasn't happened yet. And like Keely said, no need to apologize. I don't remember, I, you know, people say, remember what you said? I'm like, I don't remember what I said. But <laughs> yeah. uh, for Mario Cristobal, like, if you ask Paul Feinbaum today, I don't think he would say the same thing. I think Cristobal showed he's a, he can be an elite recruiter and is getting Oregon back up there. We haven't seen the elite coach part yet. So I think he's got the potential to do it, but like, as of now, um, you know, let's see him go win something. And uh, you know, they have, they, they won the PAC 12 last year. It was a weird year and all that stuff. Uh, finishing second in the North, you know, only playing half a season. Um, but I, I would say if USC was on the market for a coach, it would be a little too early for me to anoint someone like Cristobal as, as a, a can't miss guy. Yeah, I would agree. And I think to uh, Dave's point about like the defensive line, making the O-line better. Like that's what, you know, the competition iron sharpens iron is for. Um, but it's ultimately on uh, Clay McGuire to, if the defense is dominating the offensive line and, and position and battles and reps in practice to really point that out and, and not have that be something where we're watching like, Ooh, cause we've seen that sometimes where the mm. defensive line just dominates and it's not a good day for the offensive line. So I think it can show, um, areas of improvement for the offensive line, but that's not something on Vixa Oto to then like, develop if that makes sense yeah that's not his job so yeah so there you go he's got to take care of his linemen and he does he has if they school the offensive line then you know that that they got to take care of that somewhere yeah. else yeah exactly we got a, a kind of a mini rant a little bit from our buddy dave class of 1962 it's a little out of character dan, so it's interesting what i say dave okay. oh sorry continue the dave uh, yeah, no problem. theme uh it's no mystery why usc can't recruit five-star linemen it has always been about the coaching Callaway wouldn't develop players and wouldn't recruit. Remember what you keep saying about recruiting being a, being about relationships? Then Helton makes Drevno a mediocre running back coach to be the offensive line coach. Again, no relationship with the offensive line recruits. It's all up to McGuire to have or build relationships with offensive line cr- recruits by proving uh, that he can coach as well as recruit. The main problem is that Clay Helton has uh, has... The main problem that Clay Hilton has, excuse me, is the fact that he does not have the head coach charisma to engender enthusiasm for the program and respect for his vision. He's, his nice guy persona and constant excuses for failures just does not help recruiting. Pete had a winning personality coupled with coaching vision and ability. Fight on and win, Dan, class of 1962. 
Hey, Dan. Uh, well, Drevno was an offensive line coach. You could you could flip that and say they made a offensive line coach the running back coach, which he yeah. did. Yeah, that was um, a poor decision. He did have you know relationships with some of these guys, and you know he's an offensive line coach by trade. That that was a weird year. He shouldn't have done that for sure. Um, but he also shouldn't have been hired when Graham Harrell was hired because he wasn't a a spread offense you know kind of guy. He wasn't an air raid kind of guy. But they they did that too. Um, I don't think that helped with the recruiting aspect of it. So now you finally do have an offensive line coach that has the same pedigree as your offensive coordinator. And we'll see, you know, how that pans out. But like, yeah, as of now, um, when they brought Clay McGuire in, there just wasn't a lot of time. Maybe he's able to convince the guy from the transfer portal. I, I'm just not sure. But it's, uh, I think this, a lot of it was USC kind of getting in its own way. But Clay Elton has been a great closer on the recruiting trail. And you know, I know fans don't want to give him credit. I think this is the credit, biggest but... disconnect that fans have. Sorry yeah. to cut you off there. But no. I, I feel like fans don't that like they don't understand how well he does in recruiting. I think that's the best thing he does as USC's head coach. I mean, we've heard from parents and recruits alike. They love when they they had the own in-home visits. They love talking to him. Like he does a really great job on the recruiting trail. So that's not a, a weakness of his. So it, that's definitely a strength uh, for USC that Helton is that good on the recruiting trail. So an uh, 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 actual strength, Dan, <laughs> that he has. Yeah, <laughs> not uh, saying he doesn't, but you know that nice guy persona work. I mean, it, and you See, have to, but it's not a persona. Like I actually think pe- it's genuine. Yeah, and, like, no, people pick up on that. Yeah, he's real. Like he's not. You know, he would say if. He pulled Keeley aside and said something about instant analysis. He would do it when, like, you know, if he knew that she was going to say something nice about him, but he would do it if he knew no one else would ever hear that. Like, he was just going to be, he would pay you a compliment, not for, like, the benefit it would be or whatever, just because that's who he is. Yeah, you know? no, I mean, there during the losing season, Dan and I, like, eviscerated him on instant analysis and he would still come over and talk to us and say hi and be the nicest guy ever. So, I mean, it's, people can tell that he's authentic and genuine and that goes really far in recruiting because it's not like that across the board. Right. It's very like slimy and salesy. And so I think that's where it's a really strength for him on the recruiting trail. And I think, you know, you want to go back to the, the whole Hollywood thing. There's, I mean, we, you meet people all the time you see people in the entertainment industry they're different when the camera's on mm-hmm. versus off. I mean, with the Ellen DeGeneres stuff, like she, everyone's like, "Oh, she's amazing," and then all these stories come out, like, "No, she's terrible." And I, you know, never met her, don't know, but like, <laughs> but like, I was on The Price Is Right. There's a little plug myself. <laughs> nice plug. I won. Drew Carey was like the nicest dude, and but like, you know, he would talk to you when the when we were in commercial break and no one could see, you know. But the the, the audience was there. He would come talk to you. He would like you know say things and and was you know joking with the audience and it was awesome. But like I'm on stage at the very end, and I win, and no one else is around. It's just like me with him, and he just turns to me. He's like, "Hey, you won like thirty eight thousand. Like, that was an awesome thing." Like he was like, so no one could. There wasn't for the whole audience. It was yeah. just for me, and he didn't. If he just wanted to get the hell out of there because his day was over, he could have just walked away, and yeah. he didn't do that. So you could tell, like, okay, this is someone that's not doing this because his agent told him to or whatever. Like, he's just a nice dude, and Clay Hilton is that way. He's just going, you know, any situation you get him in, he's going. You're going to go walk away going, that was a nice guy. You might not, whatever. Like, so many fans don't want him as a head coach, but like, I think if you met him one on one, you would be like, you know what, I. 
I like him as a person. He's that's just yeah. who he is. And I think yeah. recruits can, you know, you can sense when people are phony mm-hmm. and they're coming into your house to sell you something or whatever. And like, yeah. he's not doing that. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that is where we've heard parents and, and recruits say, Hey, that's, he really won us over in that sense. So yeah. I, don't, I don't think that's accurate necessarily, Dan. So thank you. Alrighty, We have one last question and it's kind of a suggestion, Ryan. It's from our buddy Brett C from Knoxville, Tennessee. And he said, Hey, Peristyle podcast team. I was wondering if Ryan is going to do lunch with a Trojan anytime soon and possibly get Bobby Steiner, Bobby Steiner, the boy shouts to shotgun on, <laughs> on to talk about his strength and conditioning program with the team. Thanks. And fight on Brett C from Knoxville. Hey, Brett C. Great idea. I actually inquired about this a couple of months ago and, uh, they didn't allow it, so we'll see again. I'll try. He was new. He was new. So he had to get his bearings. Maybe yeah. they'll be uh, more uh, <laughs> generous with Bobby Steiner and the boys. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, when I get back from vacation, I'll put the request in and see. Sure. What, uh, Whatever works. You know, we'll try to get him Ryan in on the road. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to try to do some more of those because those were fun. The Plasky one was fun. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Yeah. I know there's some people that really hate him, but, you know, when you he talked, you know, glowingly about USC, so. Mm-hmm. Um, good stuff. But thanks, uh, Brett. We will definitely try to do that. Uh, all right. Well, I guess that's going that's to it. wrap it up. We got, yeah. it was kind of a long show for longer than I thought, <laughs> like hour and 15 plus. Like, okay. Not too look bad. at us. Yeah. Look not at too us. Bad. Uh, well, I know you got a lot of lead, a lot of love and stuff to do, Keely, but yes. thanks for, uh, joining me again. Of course. Of course. And, uh, thanks to everyone out there listening. We appreciate you. The, seeing the numbers, the downloads growing and everything. So people are kind of getting excited for football Football's again. Coming. I like it. I like it. There's some practices. Some fall camp going on, real schedule, the whole schedule, like all this stuff. Fans in the stands. So great stuff. But thanks to Keely. Thanks to all of you listeners out there. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham. Appreciate you listening. We will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 